Welcome to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio 102.9 FM right here in Tulsa and Broken Arrow. I am so glad that you have joined me today. Got some beautiful things to talk about. Brand new beginnings, beginning of a new year. Of course, it's still Christmas. Uh, It is today, if you're listening on Monday when this show first airs, it's the 12th day of Christmas. I hope you haven't taken down your tree yet, still got your decorations up. You'll be able to take everything down soon enough because tomorrow is Epiphany. Unless, of course, you live in the United States, which in my listening audience you do. Uh, And then we transfer that to a Sunday. So you would have celebrated the Feast of Epiphany yesterday. But January 6th is the day after the 12th day of Christmas and is traditionally Epiphany. So tomorrow, if you're walking around and all of a sudden you have a great idea or a huge revelation... It's par for the course. It's epiphany, right? So that's uh, that's intellectual humor. <laughs> I am so glad to have you today on uh, on the show. And I really can't wait until the second and third segments of the show today because today's readings are really splendid. But before we get too far into the show, let's open our time together in prayer. O oh God, whose eternal word, Jesus Christ himself, adorns the face of the heavens, yet accepted from the Virgin Mary the frailty of our flesh. Grant, we pray, that he who appeared among us as the splendor of truth may go forth in the fullness of power for the redemption of the world, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today is, uh, we're thinking about new beginnings, right? We're still in Christmas, that 12th day of Christmas. Uh, That's the the incarnation, that feast and celebration of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God became man. But we're also just a couple of days past New Year's Day. And uh, New Year's is a time of new beginnings. Every year we, we have this idea of the slate being wiped clean. We have a fresh year, a brand new opportunity to go out and make our lives better. And of course, we have the tradition of New Year's resolutions to help us out with that. Now, if you're like the majority of people who make New Year's resolutions, here we are in the second week of the new year, and you've already broken them, right? Uh, You you made that resolution. You thought, man, this is really going to be a great year. This is going to be the year that I do that thing I've always wanted to do. And then you get a couple of days into it, and it's like, you know, Maybe I didn't want to do it as badly as I thought, because this is just really early in the morning, or this is just really hard to do, whatever that thing is that you have, uh, that you've put out there as a goal. And one of the reasons for this, I think, is that we make really poor goals. Good intentions, but poor goals. It's like, well, this year I want to exercise more, or this year I want to eat better, I want to uh write more, I want to read more, whatever the case may be, we, we have these very generic uh, goals out there that we expect to make changes in our lives. And so in the business world, there's this idea of smart goals uh, that I think are probably the key to having better resolutions. And a smart goal is, a smart is actually not just hey, you should be smart about what goal you make, but it's an acronym. So each of those letters of the word SMART is going to be a qualifier 
to identify what kind of goal we're going to make. So SMART starts out with uh, specific. The S in SMART is make a specific goal. So rather than some generic goal like I want to be in better health, you would do a specific goal like I am going to use a program uh, like the Couch to 5K and I'm going to run a little bit more each week until I'm able to do a 5K. And so that's so that goal has the same result in the end that you are healthier, but there's a specific nature to it that you know precisely what it is you're after. So the first is specific. The second is measurable. That's the M in SMART. Measurable. How are you going to know when you have achieved the goal that you set out to do? Uh, if I just say, well, I want to be, I want to be healthier. Well, how do I know if I'm healthier tomorrow? And if I've reached the level of health that I wanted to be when I said more. So let's go back to that uh, couch to 5K kind of thing. That's a very specific and measurable goal because I can look at that and say, did I follow the plan laid out for me today or not? And so I go to that couch to 5K program and I look at it and I say, okay, today I was supposed to have run for five minutes and walked for 10 minutes. Did I do that? And the answer is either yes or no. I can measure my progress or my success in that goal. Uh, the third uh, is actionable. So you've got specific, measurable, actionable. That's the uh, SMA of SMART. And an actionable goal is, is something that is more than just be. There's a verb of action to it. I want to be healthier this year. Well, no, that's just not a very good goal. It's a great intention. It's a great desire. But an actionable goal is to say, I want to run a 5K by the end of this year. And so I'm going to work up to that by doing this couch to 5K thing. By the way, that is not my resolution, but I'm using it because it's a really good example of what we're talking about. So uh, there's that action item. I'm going to run uh, this program. And if it tells me that this is a day that I run, then I run. And if it's a day that it tells me I rest, then I rest. But there's a verb to it, run, instead of be healthier. Uh, so we've got specific, measurable, actionable. And then the next one I think is the most important, uh, R is realistic. How realistic is this goal? I'm not going to look at you as someone who has never really run before and say, I'm going to run a marathon in three months, right? That's not a very realistic goal. We should start with something that we can actually attain. So the couch to 5k is another great thing because it's a very step-by-step -step program and you can laze it out for you. And it's something that anybody can do uh, as long as they are able to, to be mobile. Right. So we have specific goals. We have measurable goals. We have actionable goals. We have realistic goals. And then the last thing is that our goals need to be timely. We need to know when we're done with them. Uh, there has to be an end date in mind. And it shouldn't really be the end of the year because who knows what's going to happen to you this year. Right. There are all kinds of things, a new job, a move, uh, any number of contingencies can pop up. And so a timely goal is to say, I'm going to spend the next uh, four months getting ready for a 5k. And uh, here's the 5k I want to do, I'm going to go ahead and prepare for that. 
by doing this Couch to 5K. I'm going to follow the directions of which days I'm supposed to run and which days I'm not. And so by this day, X day, four months from now, I want to run a 5K. And so there you have a specific goal. It's a measurable goal. It's an actionable goal. It's a realistic goal. And it's a timely goal. There's a time frame for the completion of that goal. And so that's really probably the best way to make a goal, to make a resolution for the new year. Okay, so now you've got your goal, but what are you going to do with it? How are you going to ensure that you're going to follow through? Well, you need a little bit of accountability. One of the first things that you can do is to write it down on an actual piece of paper, not on a computer where it's going to get lost in the file structure, and put it somewhere where you'll see it all the time. Uh, so maybe you put it on a sticky note and stick it on your bathroom mirror so that it's right in front of you every morning when you get ready. Uh, and review that often. Put it somewhere where you'll see it. Uh, I heard of someone who made their goal uh, into their password for their computer. So every time they had to log into their computer, they had to write um, run a 5k by 1220 or something like that. Uh, and so Every time they logged into their computer, they had to remember that goal and to, to uh, express it in some way through typing it out. And it helped them to keep that goal in mind and to achieve it. And so to, to make a SMART goal, something that's specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and timely, and then to let someone know about it and to put it in a place where you'll think about it often and put it in front of you. Uh, and that's the way you'll have probably one of your first years of actually fulfilling your New Year's resolution. So join me in, uh, in doing this, in having a brand new resolution for the new year that you achieve. Now, I told you, mine is not going to be that couch to 5K because uh, I did wake up this morning and I did run around the block three times. And then I push the block back under the bed, right? So <laughs> mine is not going to be the couch to 5K. Uh, but I do have a, a New Year's resolution this year. I am endeavoring to read a homily or a chapter of something from the early church every day. I want to read something from a doctor or a father of the church every day this year. doesn't have to be a big something. I just want to read something every day. Uh, and so that could be uh, two minutes. It could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes, depending on how long it is. If it's just a homily, it won't take me very long, but maybe it's a, a section of an encyclical, or maybe it's uh, even a book like The City of God, and I'll just read maybe a, a chapter a day of that. Uh, and so every day, I want to increase my knowledge of my faith through that which has been handed down to us from the apostles and from the doctors of the church. Uh, and so that's my New Year's resolution. Maybe you want to join me in that resolution. A couple of ways you can do that. One is by picking up the Liturgy of the Hours. You can get that at Catholic Book and Gift. Uh, and in that Liturgy of the Hours is the Office of Readings, which has some reading from the doctors of the fathers of the church every day. Another thing you could do is to pick up a Verbum library from Verbum.com where you can read through the scriptures with the mind of the church. Uh, they've got different library levels. Some of them are very affordable and some of them are a little bit more uh, comprehensive that have lots and lots of good material from the doctors of the church. Maybe you have something else in mind, and that's all right. Uh, but just find a way to make your goal 
into something that you can attain, something that's, that's uh, measurable, something that's specific, uh, realistic, and timely. Well, I've got a, another possibility for you. A great New Year's resolution is to say this year, by September, I am going to see the Pope. Well, how can you achieve that? I have got just the way because I'm taking two buses to Philadelphia where Pope Francis is going to come and celebrate uh, a mass there at the, the end, the close of the World Meeting of Families. And so we've got all the details lined out. You can get more information about that on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Or our Twitter handle is at Outside the Walls. You can find information about the trip there. You can also find information about that trip on our blog. You can go to St. Michael Radio. That's stmichaelradio.com. And then up in the right-hand side, you see blogs. And you go down to mine, which is Outside the Walls. So blogs, Outside the Walls. And you'll find more information about our trip to Philadelphia, where we're going to go see Pope Francis in the end of September 2015. So, you know, that's a really specific goal. It's measurable. You can see how much money you're raising for the the price of the ticket uh, for the bus and the hotel room. It's uh, actionable because you are going, right? You're going to see the Pope. Uh, It's realistic because we're going uh, and it's timely. It's going to be done in September. So you will have a smart goal and you could write it down too. You can put it on uh, Facebook or Twitter and say, I'm going to see the Pope. Do you want to come to ask me how? And we could get a whole group of people, two buses full of people going to see the Pope in September. Doesn't that sound like a great resolution? I think it's a great resolution. But ultimately, all of these resolutions, as good as they are, have to be secondary. In Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body or what you shall put on. But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. When we come back, we'll have the readings of the day and a homily from St. Peter Chrysologus on the Incarnation of Christ. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa, Broken Arrow. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa and Broken Arrow. We've got a lot to cover today and not a whole lot of time to cover it. Or maybe we do, right? I mean, maybe we've got all the time in the world. In fact, uh, we are now in 2015, which as you likely know, is that the year that Marty McFly traveled to in Back to the Future 2. So maybe there's a time machine just waiting for us uh, on October 21st, uh, 2015. Because that is the day that uh, Doc Brown and Marty McFly came into the future in the DeLorean. So uh, if you don't believe me, you can find it on YouTube. But you got to be careful because if you if you Google, you know, 2015 or if you Google Back to the Future 
to date. Uh, people have photoshopped the image all over the place to say it was 2012 or 2013. But no, if you actually watch the movie or, or the clip that someone has put up on YouTube to debunk all of those other uh, photoshopped pictures, uh, the date is October 21st, 2015. So uh, maybe this is like a sign of the apocalypse, right? We get back from seeing the Pope, we have the Senate of the family, and Marty McFly comes to the future. Or maybe not. <laughs> okay, I let that one out of the box, didn't I? I let you know that I... Uh, like to watch old 80s movies. So the end is truly upon us, just not in the way we expected. Let's go ahead and move to something that actually has to do with our faith and not, uh, not simply our entertainment. So today's readings uh, are the readings for Monday, January 5th, because uh, this show originally airs on Monday. Of course, it's rebroadcast on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. And if you're listening at one of those times, uh, I'm glad that you're listening. Uh, so you're just going to have to hear the readings from Monday. But since you go to daily mass anyway, you, you probably have heard the readings for the day that you're on. Uh, but not a lot of places around here have that Monday morning Mass, so we're going to read the readings for Monday, January 5th. Our first reading is from the book of 1 John, chapter 3. We receive from Him whatever we ask, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And His commandment is this, we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. Those who keep his commandments remain in him, and he in them. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the Spirit whom he gave us. Beloved, do not trust every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they belong to God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh belongs to God. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus does not belong to God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, who, as you heard, is to come, but in fact is already in the world. You belong to God, children, and you have conquered them, for the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They belong to the world. Accordingly, their teaching belongs to the world, and the world listens to them. We belong to God, and anyone who knows God listens to us, while anyone who does not belong to God refuses to hear us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit. That reading is from the book of 1 John, chapter 3. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 2, where we read, I will give you all the nations for an inheritance. The Lord said to me, You are my son. This day I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for an inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. I will give you all the nations for an inheritance. And now, O kings, give heed, take warning, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice before him with trembling. Rejoice. I will give you all the nations for an inheritance. And today's gospel comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee, 
he left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in the land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness among the people. His fame spread to all of Syria, and they brought to him all who were sick with various diseases and racked with pain, those who were possessed, lunatics and paralytics, and he cured them. And the great crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan, followed him. That gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. In previous episodes, we've taken a little bit of time to unpack our scripture readings, and then in the third segment have done a reading from church history, uh, either a father or a doctor of the church who hand down to us in a beautiful way uh, the depth of our faith. But I've got a new idea for the third segment, at least for today, and we're going to see how it goes. Uh, And so we're going to bring that reading from church history into this segment, into the second uh, second portion of our show. Today's homily, it's a sermon, comes from St. Peter Chrysologus, and he was a bishop and a doctor of the church. He was born in 380 AD, and he died in 450. Uh, he was called Chrysologist. It's not actually a last name in the way that we think of it. Uh, it it's a nickname that they gave him because he was so golden-worded. That's what Christologist means, golden-worded. Uh, and he was given that name because of his exceptional uh, sermons, his eloquence. And we're going to hear a little bit of that today. This reading comes from the Liturgy of the Hours uh, for today, uh, which if you're listening the first time this show airs, it's Monday morning, January 5th. Uh, and so this reading comes from the, the Office of Readings from January 5th. And it is a beautiful, beautiful homily about the Incarnation. Because we're still in Christmas. This is the 12th day of Christmas. uh, And our true love, God the Father, gave to us all things that we need through Christ. Now, today we're going to do things a little bit differently because I am in a festive mood. Uh, We have uh, some music that's going to play in the background while we read this homily. And it comes from Beckenhorst Press. They've been very kind to let us use their... uh, their choral music. It's one of my favorite choral publishers, uh, and you can find more information about them. Just Google Beckenhorst uh, Press. So this is Sermon 160 from St. Peter Chrysologus. In the mystery of our Lord's incarnation, there were clear indications of his eternal Godhead. Yet the great events we celebrate today disclose and reveal in different ways the fact that God himself took a human body. Mortal man, enshrouded always in darkness, must not be left in ignorance, and so be deprived of what he can understand and retain only by grace. In choosing to be born for us, God chose to be known by us. He therefore reveals himself in this way in order that this great sacrament of his love 
may not be an occasion for us of great misunderstanding. Today, the Magi find crying in a manger, the one they have followed as he shone in the sky. Today, the Magi see clearly in swaddling clothes, the one they have long awaited as he lay hidden among the stars. Today, the Magi gaze in deep wonder at what they see. Heaven on earth, earth in heaven, man in God, God in man, one whom the whole universe cannot contain, now enclosed in a tiny body. As they look, they believe and do not question, as their symbolic gifts bear witness. Incense for God, gold for a king. Myrrh for one who is to die. So the Gentiles, who were the last, become the first. The faith of the Magi is the first fruits of the belief of the Gentiles. Today, Christ enters the Jordan to wash away the sin of the world. John himself testifies that this is why he has come. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Today, a servant lays his hand on the Lord. A man lays his hand on God. John lays his hand on Christ, not to forgive, but to receive forgiveness. Today, as the psalmist prophesied, the voice of the Lord is heard above the waters. What does the voice say? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Today, the Holy Spirit hovers over the waters in the likeness of a dove. A dove announced to Noah that the flood had disappeared from the earth. So now, a dove is to reveal that the world's shipwreck is at an end forever. The sign is no longer an olive shoot of the old stock. Instead, the Spirit pours out on Christ's head the fullness of a new anointing by the Father to fulfill what the psalmist had prophesied. Therefore, God... Your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Today, Christ works the first of his signs from heaven by turning water into wine. But water has still to be changed into the sacrament of his blood so that Christ may offer spiritual drink from the chalice of his body to fulfill the psalmist's prophecy, How excellent is my chalice, warming my spirit. That homily was from St. Peter Chrysologus, and the music behind it was from composer Dan Forrest, a beautiful setting of a poem by Howard Thurman called The Work of Christmas, published by Beckenhorst Press. I want to thank them for letting us use their music on the show and uh, encourage you to take a look at more of what they have to offer. When we come back for our third segment today, we're going to try something brand new. Uh, We're going to look at some things that are typically maybe misunderstood uh, by either Protestants who are wary of our faith or even by some Catholics who celebrate our faith uh, but don't really have a complete grasp on the reasons for specific doctrines. And so we're going to take a moment. Uh, We're going to open up Verbum, which is a beautiful program I'll tell you a little bit more about. And we're going to take a look at the doctrine of Theotokos, the mother of God, the God bearer. You are listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa, Broken Arrow.
This is Father Joe Townsend from St. Benedict's in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and you are listening to Outside the Walls on 102.9 St. Michael Catholic Radio. Thank you, Father Joe, and thank you for tuning in. This is Outside the Walls, and I am Timothy Putnam. I'm your host. Uh, Glad to have you tuning in. This is the third segment of the show. So if you're just now tuning in, the show starts about 30 minutes ago. Uh, You can next week tune in 30 minutes earlier and catch the first two segments. I think you'll really appreciate them. Or uh, you can also go on to our social media and uh, find previous episodes. We've got all these archived. So if you miss something, you can go back and listen. Uh, You can find those at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, our handle is at Outside the Walls. And then you can also go to the blog, and they're all archived there on the blog. You can find that at stmichaelradio.com, stmichaelradio.com. And up in the blog section, there's a drop-down menu, and you click Outside the Walls. All of our previous shows are there. So uh, if you've missed something, uh, it's like Netflix. You can go back, and it's it's Net Radio. You can go back and listen to what you've missed on demand. How exciting is that? But hopefully we're keeping you company uh, in your car or in your home as you're getting other things done uh, live and on the air. Last Wednesday, I I got in the car uh, after doing something up at the office and was heading back home. And and there I was uh, on the radio and on our rebroadcast time at 5 p.m. And it was so odd to me. I sit here in front of the microphone and I I talk for the radio and I I know that it's going on to the radio, but then I I turn on the radio when I'm in the car and I hear it and it's just odd. Uh, It's still unbelievable to me. But here I am. I'm on the radio. You're listening to me, all five of you. And uh, I'm assuming that it's five because no one ever uh, comments on social media. I keep waiting to have some interaction and uh, maybe you're you know driving and, and you don't feel like pulling out your phone at that moment. And I appreciate that. I don't want any accidents. I don't want to be the cause of heartache. But, you know, I would really like the interaction. You know, just uh, if you have the time, just pity me. Pity me and go on to our social media uh, on Facebook or on Twitter and say hello. Just let me know that you're there. Are you there? Anyone? Well, whether you're listening or not, uh, let me tell you what we're planning on doing here for this third segment. And this is something that I'm considering doing on an ongoing basis, is to have a segment of apologetics, which is basically what St. Peter has in mind in 1 Peter 3.15, when he says, Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope, but do it with gentleness and reverence. So uh, when I was considering the Catholic Church, I was a a Protestant worship pastor. Uh, My wife and I both converted uh, just not too long ago, a few years ago. And uh, so I had been to Protestant seminary. I went to Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. That's a Wesleyan-Arminian school of theology. And I grew up uh, very theological. Uh, My father was Methodist clergy and uh, really instilled in me a love for the faith. But... uh, when I was looking at the Catholic Church, there were some things that didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me coming from my old tradition. And I had uh, some wonderful Catholics who were able to answer me in a way that I understood. 
And, and I think that's really the key. Uh, George Bernard Shaw is quoted as saying, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. And so maybe you have some people coming up to you and asking you questions about your faith. Uh, and, uh, we're, you know, we live in a very Protestant area. Maybe we have some Protestant listeners. We welcome you as well. Uh, go to our social media and maybe you've got some of your own questions that don't really make sense to you about the Catholic faith ask them there on social media and we'll get to them here on the radio show and I'll answer you there as well. But for those of you who are a Catholic, I'm sure that you have people around here who who ask you questions about your faith and, and you explain it the best that you can. Uh, but if you grew up Catholic, uh, you don't necessarily have the vocabulary and the mindset of those who are Protestant because those who are Protestant certainly don't have the vocabulary and the mindset of a Catholic. Uh, and so sometimes we just cross like ships in the night while we're trying to express our faith uh, and the answer never quite gets to them. Uh, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to take some things that come up pretty regularly uh, in my experience, uh, and I'm just going to frame them in a way that maybe you have not heard before. Uh, I'm going to use many, many sources, but one of the sources I'm going to use is a program called Verbum. Uh, and Verbum is a program that links, it's a cross-reference tool that links scripture and church fathers and any number of other documents of the church in books and etc. cetera. Uh, it's a great program. And so you can just type in things like what we're going to talk about today, the Theotokos, and it will pop up everything that is in the library. And you can get a, a small library or you can get a large library to populate this program. And it will just put it right there in front of you for you to go and research and study. So uh, I have a copy of Verbum on my computer. I've got it open and I've typed in the word Theotokos. And we're going to look at what it means for Mary to be the mother of God. Because that's a, that's a tricky one. Because to our minds, and, and even in the ancient world, people are like, well, but Mary's a creature and God is eternal. And so how can Mary who is younger than God, give birth to God. And so we're going to talk about why the church says and has always said that Mary is the mother of God, the Theotokos, the God-bearer. Now, uh, when I am approaching any topic of apologetics, I want to make very clear that I have the same mind about me that uh, St. Teresa of Avila had. And she said, if I should say anything that is not in conformity with what is held by the Holy Roman Catholic Church, it will be through ignorance and not through malice. We're all on a journey and we're all learning, and uh, they put a microphone in front of me. So, you know, it's possible that I may not have the perfect grasp on this, and I may say something that's just a little bit uh, not correct. Uh, if I And if I'm wrong, man, come and tell me on social media. Come and say, you know, I'm really not quite sure that you explained that right. I welcome that from all corners. So with that in mind, with that disclaimer out of the way, uh, let's talk about Mary, the mother of God. So I've got my verbum open here, and I'm just going to type in Theotokos, and it's going to bring up just tons of results out of my library here. Uh, and so we're going to take a look at what is meant by Theotokos. You know, there are some common objections. Uh, the first is that, well, uh, Mary is a creature. She's not older than God. God is uncreated. So how can she be uh, the mother of God? 
another thought is that, well, when we talk about God, we're talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's three persons and one God, and surely she's only uh, mother to the person of Christ and not to the whole Godhead. So why would we say mother of God uh, rather than just mother of Christ? And then lastly, some might say, well, why would we say anything dogmatically or doctrinally that we don't find specifically in Scripture? Uh, why would we call her the mother of God when Scripture doesn't call her the mother of God? So let's do our best to unpack those objections and look at why the church has, through the centuries, called Mary the Theotokos, the, the God-bearer, the mother of God. Uh, so St. Thomas Aquinas does a really excellent job uh, in the Summa Theologica answering all three of these objections. It's in the, the third part, question 35, part four. Uh, however, it's really tricky to read over the radio. Thomas is hard enough to read when you've, when you've got him in front of you, and it's even harder to follow when you're just listening. You can find the Summa Theologica available on uadvent.org uh, or in your verbum library. But I'm going to let you do that reading on your own, and we're going to look at some different answers. First, it's important to know that the term Theotokos has been used, or Mother of God, has been used for Mary uh, from earlier than the 4th century. Uh, so we have, in the, in the early 5th century, we have Nestorius, who was a bishop, uh, who was caught between two factions. Some people were saying that Mary was the Mother of God, and some were saying that uh, because God was older than Mary, so it was impossible. Uh, and so Nestorius tried to solve the problem by saying that Mary was just the mother of Jesus' human nature and not his divine nature, that he was the mother of Christ and not the mother of God. Well, this creates a problem. And the problem is this. If we can separate Christ's human nature from his divine nature, uh, and if there's a difference between Jesus the man and Jesus who is God, then we really don't have a salvation. Because our salvation comes through God becoming incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ, experiencing life as we lived it but without sin, and then dying on the cross for our sins. And if the, the, the divine person... Uh, is different than the human person, then the divine person would not have suffered. The divine person would not have experienced those things uh, that were necessary to be experienced. Uh, he would be somehow separated and somehow other than the, the man Jesus Christ. And so what the Council of Ephesus in 431 and the Council of Chalcedon in 451 said is that no, Jesus Christ is two natures, the nature of uh, God and the nature of man, in one person. You can't separate them. Uh, and so since Mary is the mother of Jesus Christ, who Scripture does say is God, we can logically say that Mary is therefore the mother of God, because she's the mother of the person, Jesus Christ, who is fully man and fully God. Well, there's so much more that we could get into, but we don't really have the time. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio 102.9 FM.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam right here on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa and Broken Arrow. Glad to have you back. Uh, did Glad I didn't scare you away in the last uh, last one. Maybe you're already typing furiously in social media on our Facebook page telling me how wrong I am. I hope so. Uh, I, you can type anything on my Facebook page and that'll make me happy. Uh, you can find that at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Uh, if you like to be more brief than Facebook, you can also do that on Twitter. Our handle is at outside the walls uh, and you can tell me what for Uh, i look forward to seeing you there so we're talking about mary the mother of god the theotokos the god bearer of course this last uh last thursday on january 1st we celebrated the solemnity of mary mother of god and so we're taking this moment uh this week to talk about it on our show Uh, what do we mean by Mary, the mother of God. Perhaps you're looking for a way to explain this to some of your Protestant friends or family, or perhaps you are a Protestant, you're not Catholic, and you're listening to my show uh, and have this question for yourself. Well, I'd be happy to answer it as best as I can, because we want to be able, as 1 Peter 3.15, we're told by St. Peter, always be ready to have an answer for the hope that is within you, but to give it with gentleness and reverence. We don't have a lot of time left today, so I want to jump right into this. Uh, We've got, of course, we've got our Verbum Library open, and we've typed in Theotokos to see what pops up. And here we found a great book. It's an interview between Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger when he was the prefect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith before he became Pope Benedict XVI. And the book is called God and the World, Believing and Living in Our Time. And it's an interview with Peter Sewald. So here we are in chapter 13, and we read this. Basically, the story of our way of reckoning time began with a woman. The gospel tells us, quote, and the angel of the Lord brought the message to Mary, close quote. She was a girl from the unknown little town of Nazareth, and she obviously had no idea what was happening to her. The true stature of this event has only gradually been recognized in the course of history. First, there is the meeting with the angel when Mary is, as it were, suddenly overcome by this unusual message. She has found favor with God. She has been specially selected to be the mother of his son. That must have been a terrifying moment for Mary. A human being as the mother of God. This is, in fact, a great paradox. God becomes small. He becomes man. He accepts thereby the limitations of human conception and childbirth. He has a mother and is thus truly woven into the tapestry of our human history, so that, in fact, a woman is able to say to him who is her child, a human child, the Lord of the world is within you. For a long time, there was a great deal of controversy about the expression, mother of God. There were the Nestorians who said that she did not, of course, give birth to God. She gave birth to the man Jesus. Accordingly, she can be called the mother of Christ, but not the mother of God. It was basically a matter of the question of how profound a unity there is between God and man in this person, Jesus Christ. Whether it is so great that we can say, yes, the one who is born is God, and so she is God's mother. Obviously, she is not God's mother in the sense of his having come from her, but she was in the sense of having been the mother of that man who was entirely at one with God. 
In this way, she entered into a quite unique union with God. So that comes from Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI. So we have those, those three objections that, well, she can't be older than God, so how can she be the mother of God? And again, everything that we say about Mary points to some essential quality of Christ. When we say that Mary is the mother of God, we're simply saying that you cannot separate Jesus' humanity from his divinity. We're not saying that she is the mother of God the Father and of the Holy Spirit, but rather that Jesus truly is fully God and inseparable from his human nature and his divine nature. As for the second objection, that Mary is only the mother of Christ and not of the whole Godhead, but just the person of the Son, uh, I would say that the doctrine of Trinity is such that you cannot separate the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each of them are fully God. Uh, It's not three different gods. It's one God in three persons. And so Jesus is fully God. He encompasses the whole of who God is in himself, even as each of the other persons of the Trinity fully encompass who God is. Uh, The Trinity is not separatable. And so in that way, Mary is the mother of Jesus Christ, who is the fullness of God. Another objection is that, well, we don't find it explicitly in Scripture, so why would we use those terms? Well, we do find explicitly in Scripture that Jesus is God. And so we logically make that leap, saying that, well, She is the mother of the person of Jesus Christ, and the person of Jesus Christ is fully God. And so Mary is, therefore, the mother of God. And the implications of Mary not being the mother of God are more troubling uh, than the implications of her being the mother of God. If she's not the mother of God, then our salvation is suspect, because our salvation comes through the perfect union the incarnation of God, God becoming man. And of course, he became man through Mary. Well, that's a lot of time that we spent, and we probably repeated ourselves a few times, but uh, repetition is uh, the key to education. And so I hope that we've answered some questions, maybe said things in a new way, and maybe given you a couple of resources that you haven't had before. Uh, So that's all the time we really have for today. I encourage you to go find us on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Our handle on Twitter is at outside the walls, and you can find our blog at stmichaelradio.com. In the blog section, you go up there to outside the walls, and there you'll find more information about these things. You'll find some archives of the shows. And uh, you'll find some information about the upcoming papal visit, uh, the trip in September that we're taking out to see Pope Francis in Philadelphia. So I just want to thank you for joining me today and for giving me this hour of your time. Next week is a new week, and we'll be back here on Monday at 7 a.m. And then rebroadcast on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You've been listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio 102.9 FM, Tulsa and Broken Arrow. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace this week.